when you're an entrepreneur, it's uh, it's never a straight path. Sometimes it's working, you're making money, and you realize that maybe that's not exactly what's fulfilling you. And I think it's important to be able to just step back, reflect, think about what's your real mission in life. And by doing that, I found out that it doesn't really matter the way I do it. What I like doing is helping people. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. All right, so we've been talking about landing a remote job for a while now, but the one thing you're probably most curious about is how to learn the online skills you need to land these jobs. I'm not just talking about getting a brief introduction, but learning from actual accredited schools so you can be taken seriously when you apply for these jobs. You've been waiting for a while, and I'm really sorry about that, but I have finally created a whole page listing the best courses to take from teaching English online to becoming a freelance writer and so much more, all from trusted sources that will get you that remote job. So if you're ready and serious to take the next step, then visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. Again, you can visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. On this episode, I'm so excited to speak with Anais, who has been a digital entrepreneur since 2013. She splits her time between running her own business, Language Confidence Academy, and working as a freelance business coach for a French company. She's also a podcast host and the author of a self-coaching newsletter for freedom entrepreneurs. So listen on to find out how Anais has been able to become a digital entrepreneur as a language teacher and a freelance business coach. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Anais. Hey, Anais, how are you? Hey, Debbie. I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, sure. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Like I told you, I listened to your podcast and it was one of the first ones I discovered when I started being interested in this, you know, digital nomad remote life subject. So I'm super honored. So I would say there are two reasons. One, I haven't lived in my own country for the last uh, 20 plus years. I'm originally from Madagascar and I've been living in France for... Well, since 2004 and before that, I lived in Switzerland for three years. So I've been a, an expat or an immigrant for a, quite some time. And then the other reason is that I, um, I started being a digital entrepreneur in 2013 because I wanted to create my own job. And um, more specifically, I wanted to create a job that uh, didn't depend on a location because my husband for his job has to relocate every four to five years. And I wanted, I didn't want to be dependent of him. And yeah, 
I love that. And you're always on the go even before you started working remotely and your husband has this really interesting job where you all are able to travel so much. So when you decided to take that leap to start working online to get, I guess, your own type of life, right? Because I could definitely understand how you would feel like you're living in the shadow of your husband if you're just at home. And then if, especially if you're moving constantly, it's kind of hard to, to have that job that's stable. So that is another reason why some people would go into the remote life type of work. And because of that type of lifestyle, you know, your partner has that job that they're always traveling. So what did you decide to do on AES to kind of go into this to be a remote worker? What did you end up doing? Yeah, so I've been teaching English for plus 20 years. So what happened was my husband got his first job and he did that job for the first five years. We were staying in one place. And then he said, okay, I have this opportunity to relocate to another city in France. And I was super excited. I was like, yay, great. But we moved. And then I was like, okay, so everything I've built and all my contacts and everything, it doesn't exist anymore. And I have to start everything from scratch. So the first thing I did was to find a way to teach English online. So at first I was just... Um, teaching English online, putting some ads on, you know, the French equivalent of Craigslist, I, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and I was just teaching one-on-one -on -one classes online and it was a way for me to replace my former job. But then after a while, I was like, okay, but I'm still trading my time for money because basically if I'm sick, I can't teach. So I'm not making money. If we go on holiday, I can teach and I'm not making money. So I started thinking, how can I make this thing more passive and still sustainable? And this is how I started to build online courses. And I, I didn't know what I was doing at first. So I watched a lot of videos to learn how to do that. And then I decided to take a course and then I got started. And after, I think it was after the first um, six months, I started to make, you know, recurrent income, not much, but enough to make me think that it was a viable idea. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I think especially if you're just starting out, you kind of don't understand the differences between a freelancer having a full-time position and then going off on your own and starting a business and then making it into passive income. So what you were essentially doing at first, NAs, is being a freelancer, meaning you don't really have a employer, you're working for yourself. And that's really what we all want, right? To have that type of lifestyle where you're working for yourself. But there are downsides to that. And you mentioned a few of them is that you don't have that stability of an income if you are sick or if you go on vacation, you can't really earn that income. So especially if you're just starting out, it's still really unstable. That's why, you know, if you really do need that stability, you can still work remotely, but you may have to work for an employer and then they'll give you all the benefits that any nine to five does. But the biggest perk is you can work from anywhere. And then instead of doing that, you decided to do 
to do the passive income route, which I personally love. That's what I'm doing with my business as well. But it does take a little bit of time, sometimes a lot bit of time for that to continue to work. So can you go through that and how you were able to kind of transition into further detail into more of a passive income route for for your business? Yeah. So, okay. So when I started the business, the, the, um, the first thing I did was, uh, create a YouTube channel. And my idea was that because I saw a lot of other teachers who had this huge following on, on YouTube, like language teachers, English teachers. And so I thought, okay, um, this is how I'm going to get people to know me. So I created the YouTube channel and I made some uh, videos on YouTube. And the first thing I did was to um, actually try to create something uh, like a, a kind of freebie or something that I gave to people. Yeah. So this was the way for me to be like, hey, this is what I do. This is the way I do it. So if you're interested and you want to go further, you can, you know, uh, sign up here and work with me. And uh, I also, during the first month, I was continuing to teach one-on-one because I needed the money. But I kind of make this sacrifice of instead of teaching full-time, because as you can imagine, like I was, uh, there was a time when I was teaching up to 30 hours a week one-on-one, which was just crazy. I couldn't do that anymore. (laughs) And so I decided to just uh, reduce the number of hours I was teaching one-on-one, but still have like a minimum number of hours. And then the rest of the time, I uh, was trying to work on the business. So I was learning and I was doing at the same time. So when when I learned, for example, like how to make a YouTube channel, uh, I watched a few videos. I was like, oh, okay, so you need to do, you know, SEO, whatever. And then um, I tried to do that. And really the first month, it was really like working and at the same time trying to build step by step the the different things that I needed to do. And it was a bit difficult because it was the first time ever. I Before that, I didn't even know that people were doing that. You know, the, this whole online course thing, this whole passive income thing. Um, I also discovered, you know, affiliate marketing, recommending some some products to, to your audience. And I was like, oh, people do that and they make money. So yeah, at first it was like, before I can replace my income with uh, completely passively, I still need to continue to teach one-on-one, which was also a great way to um, know my audience, you know, because I was spending so much time with them and they told me their pain points, what they needed, etc. cetera. And, um, and then I used that and that experience to build my online products. Mm. I love that idea. And you're pretty much doing research for your business while you're getting paid to do it as well. And that is also a really great idea to take all of the pain points that they have and create content for that. So that is a really brilliant thing that you did, Anise. And also the fact that you 
have a market there, right? You doing one-on-ones 30 hours a week, that means there is a market for you there and for you to take advantage of. And now you could just transition that into more of a passive income by creating your videos online as well. Now, instead of just reaching one person or several people a week, now you can reach thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people with the content that you're doing online. So which is really awesome. Once you did that, how did it keep going? Are you still doing your one-on-ones now or is it mostly through videos online? So it was an interesting, um, you know, evolution because the fr- at first I was doing, I would say, you know, half one-on-one and half online for different um, sources of income. So uh, at first there was the, there were the online courses, then I started doing affiliate marketing and this was pretty much the, the balance, you know, half one-on-one and half just uh, the other stuff. And then uh, the second year, most of my income was from passive stuff. I still sometimes did some kind of um, master classes and things like that. But what happened was that, um, so I had a, a crazy year. I think it was 2019. So it was like my, my best year, like the most income I've ever made. But I also got very overwhelmed. It was still a solo business. I was doing that on my own. And I kind of had the um, I wouldn't say like a burnout, but almost, you know, I was like, oh, I don't even know if I like this anymore and so on. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I had this, uh, a phase where I really slowed down. I, I slowed everything down. I, so I wasn't focusing really on like growing the business. I was more like, okay, I'm making a certain sustainable income. I can just uh, sleep on my laurels for a while and maybe develop new projects and um, do other stuff. And, and so I still had my business, but then I started developing new things on the side. For example, I created this, uh, this podcast called The Anti-Snooze Mindset, where I interview, you know, um, entrepreneurs. And I'm planning, for example, to launch a journaling community because I love journaling. So this is my big project for 2022. And so... I had this transition phase where I was like, okay, what do I really want to do with my life? Do I want to continue to teach English forever or do I want to do something else? And during the time I was just thinking about it, I was continuing to to run the business. And now I'm like, actually, I don't know. I kind of get my shit together. And I was like, okay, 2022. I'm getting back on track. I have so many ideas for my, you know, English company, but I also have so many ideas for my other company. So I'm going to try to build a team and so so I can be able to work on both projects because I'm equally passionate about both projects. So that's kind of the the plan. But, you know, I think when you're an entrepreneur, it's uh, it's never a straight path. Sometimes it's working, you're making money, and you realize that maybe that's not exactly what's fulfilling you. And I think it's important to be able to just 
you know, step back, reflect, think about what's your real mission in life. And by doing that, I found out that, you know, it doesn't really matter the way I do it. What I like doing is helping people. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many different ways that I can help people and I don't have to choose one way, but I just need to figure out a way to balance the things that I want to do. So that's kind of where I am right now. I think we all come to that crossroad, right? Because in the beginning, we're just trying to figure out how to make things work, how to create income from this. And then once you do start creating income from this, then you begin to question, is this even really what I wanted? Is this really where I see my future? And that completely happened to me, especially in the last year, you know, and that's one of the things that I've been talking about with my audience when I do my solo episodes. It's like, I came to the crossroad, I was making the money, but I was not happy with it. And then I looked at myself, I'm like, okay, 10 years from now, is this where I keep seeing myself? Is this where my life should be leading? And it was a no. And, you know, once you reevaluate that, it's kind of like going back to square one, maybe restarting over again and being a beginner at something. And that can be something really scary, right? That that could be a really scary feeling, but also it feels really liberating. And also once you find that thing that really makes you happy and then also makes you money, then there's really nothing better than that. So I think you're at that crossroad too, Anise. And I think that it's a really scary, but a beautiful process because I I do believe that it is like you mentioned before, it's not a one road type thing. There's a lot of different things that happens that you question and then you want to change and you may feel like you want this now and then you go into it and it's not right for you. So for for those of you listening who are in this type of crossroad, don't feel bad. We all go through that process. It's yeah. it's not it's not it's not perfect, right? It's never a straightforward thing. And if it was, it would be great. <laughs> then we wouldn't question anything, and uh, life would be a lot easier. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But if you choose to 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 take that road of you know working for yourself, you also have to be ready. <laughs> for the fact that nothing is, you know, clear all the time. And, um, And that's why I think it's important to get into the habit of reflecting regularly, Um, and, you know, this is how I, I got into journaling and, and all these things, because I, I don't know if you're like me and I'm sure you are, but, you know, as a creative person, (laughs) I constantly have all these crazy ideas and it's very easy to get distracted by, you know, shiny object syndrome, as they call it. (laughs) So if you don't have a clear direction and the direction has to be clear, but sometimes the path to go there is doesn't have to be like super, you know, straight. And you might deviate sometimes, but you need to know where you're going. And for me, in order to know where I'm going, I need to have this habit of, you know, my journal, where where do I want to be in five years? All the, those kind of uh, deep questions. And yeah, and this is what allowed me to actually get back on track because when you're at the crossroad you were talking about, sometimes you're, you, it's really, you feel lost. You're like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and, and the question I asked myself was like, 
did I do all this for nothing? Like right now I've done, I've, I've worked on this business all these years and it has become, you know, successful. And now I'm questioning it. Like what's happening? Did I, did I just do this for nothing? So, so yeah, I needed to just reflect and be like, no, it's just that you need to do it differently. Or maybe you need to let other, some other passions get, also, you know, in the way or, or something. And yeah, this is how I got to that conclusion that <laughs> I needed to do both, yeah. but I needed to find a way to do both in a non-overwhelming way. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a tough thing. And a lot of those questions is really good to ask yourself because otherwise you're just going to keep going and then it's going to become even more overwhelming and it's going to make you really unhappy with your decisions later on. And I love that question where you ask yourself, did I do this for nothing? And I have asked myself that with several things because I've started so many different things in my life. Um, I feel like I've done so many, like a hundred things in my life. And every time um, I end it, I always ask that question. And, you know, it's so interesting that where I am now, I feel like everything that I have done has culminated to this point in my life because I learned that I didn't want to do those things. So then I could X that out of my life. And also all of the lessons that you learn from it, the skills that you actually learn from it allows you to do something better for the next project that you're going to do. So it never... I in. In that process, in that time being, it does feel like a failure. It does feel like you wasted your time. But once you start using certain skills that you learned from from those projects, it doesn't seem so bad anymore. So <laughs> it was worth it. All the suffering. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think a lot a lot of people are scared to to start a business or anything, because they, they have this mindset of, you know, what if I start and I fail? But the thing is, you will never know whether you're going to succeed or fail if you don't start, first of all. And if you start, you will necessarily learn something because th this is also, for you know, you were talking about starting over before. And I feel like, you know, since I've put all my energy starting and growing this first business, I don't have to go through the process of learning again. I just need to apply what I've learned. And yes, it's a new, you know, niche and, and it's a new type of activity, but I'm still using the same tools. I'm still using, you know, digital marketing. I know how to grow an audience, even if it's... Um, from scratch and I know it takes time. And so I don't have all this burden of, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And I have to both learn and work. Uh, now I just have to work because I already know the skills I need and what I need to do and how to communicate and use social media and all these things. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. You know, it takes a lot of time and effort. And that's the thing. There's really no shortcuts to many things. I think the only time you do get a shortcut is once you learn all the skills you need. And now you don't need to learn something new. You can just go to 
your expertise and then uh, work on that. So there's, I, I feel like in the world that we're living in now, there's a lot of instant gratification because social media just shows you a lot of what happens after you already succeed. But I think we have to emphasize that it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort for you to actually succeed. And for people who were able to succeed in a shorter amount of time, it's because they learned so much, right? They struggled for a really long time before they got to that point, at least for the most part. I mean, there's obviously uh, some people who, who are always the exception to the rule, but it's not you know, that's not the hundred percent. That's like, you know, maybe the one or five percent in the world. So <laughs> And I'm not even sure. I'm not yeah, even sure. Exactly. About that. We're not but, even but the sure. The thing about is that. it's not sexy to you know, it's not sexy to to talk about I failed here, I did this, it didn't work. And before I made one million or ten million or a hundred million, I hustled for several years or several months. Um it's not very sexy. But, but I think if you're honest with people, you have to say that it took time. Sometimes people ask me, you know, like, oh, uh, so you did this thing and, and uh, it's so cool that it, that it worked. And how long is it going to take if I do the same thing? And I always say, like, you know, this is the worst question you can ever ask. Like if you start something and you ask yourself how long it's going to take, whether it's, you know, a diet or starting to exercise or a business, if you ask yourself how long it's going to take, this is not the right question to ask. And this is not the right mindset. What you need to ask yourself is, you know, how much am I going to commit to do this? And you also need to be ready to commit for the next 10 years, literally. Like, because um, if you create anything, a blog, a podcast or anything, the question is not, you know, how many episodes do I need to do to finally get successful and have sponsors? But it's really like, how how many episodes am I commit, committed to producing and publishing without thinking about the kind of outcome that I can get of that, because maybe after three years, I will have nothing. Or maybe, you know, I'll get lucky and have the right guest and the right connections and it will work, but you never know. So, yeah. Yeah. And and again, it's all about the results. We're always result driven. And I think the most important thing is what you're talking about, Anais, is the process, right? You have to really love, you have to enjoy that process to keep going because at the end of the day, and also another thing I want to talk about is if you actually like it and there's a passion for it, because at the end of the day, when things are not going right and it's taking you longer than you thought, the only thing that's going to drive you to keep going is that passion, is the love for the process and not exactly the result of it because you you never know and and I think that's what I also want to talk about is like you never know what your result is going to be you could be working on this for the next 10 years and it just falls apart maybe you have some success here and there but it's just never continuous right so it has to be a process to it. You have to understand if this is where you want to keep going, if you want to end it at a certain point. And those are the questions that you need to ask yourself as well. And I do want to talk about failure. And, you know, you mentioned this, Anise, about 
it's not sexy to talk about failing. And I think there's also another thing that, um, at least for me, is, um, you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but in the Asian community, there's like a sense of shame when you admit to failure, right? And that's one thing that I, I've seen people do. It's like, I don't want to share this because I'm I'm ashamed of failing. Like it's, it's shameful for me, for my family. I don't want to admit that. And I, I think I really had to rethink that myself too, because now I'm like, great, I failed. It's just another way for me to learn. And I think um, owning up to that and really embracing that makes it so much better for you. And also it makes you so much more relatable, you know, because um, you don't want to see someone who's just perfect all the time. You want to you want to root for the underdog who failed so many times. And then even through all the failures, they they ended up winning. And I think that's what we can really relate to as well. Yeah, you're right. And I think there is a big problem with that mentality and it's it's I think it's the same in in a lot of cultures because it's definitely the same in my <laughs> culture too. Um but the problem with that mentality is that you're perpetuating this myth of you know either you're a success and because that's what we see or if you're a failure, you're a failure forever. And you, you know, like there's no way to change history or something like that. And I think it's, it's kind of dangerous to perpetuate this, this state of mind, because when we, we start reading books, entrepreneurs, we read books, right? We all read the same books. We all, <laughs> we all know <laughs> the same, uh, you know, business and, and biographies and personal development books, you know, like uh, Steve Jobs and whatever. <laughs> and, and when we read these books, we can see that these people, they're actually normal people mm-hmm. and they had some ideas and, you know, 99% of the, their ideas didn't work. And then there was this 1% that worked and, it's good to to read this because like you said it makes it's it's super relatable but the problem is that the early stage entrepreneurs who are not yet in this uh, phase of i want to really educate myself and i want to and i realize that my personal development is as important for me as growing the business so the, the early stage entrepreneurs they they have this image of you know it's like the Lego castle that you need <laughs> to build and they see the finished Lego castle, but they don't want to go through <laughs> all the phase of actually building the castle piece by piece. And um, I don't think it's a, it's a good thing to show that image of, yeah, this guy, he's successful, he's making millions and making people actually believe that this person never failed or never made mistakes or anything. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And I think that's what we need to show more of. And not to say like it's just all negative and um, all of that stuff, because it's not. And and that's really where I want to kind of turn this into is like seeing it as a positive, right? Seeing it as a learning experience and growing from that rather than it's a negative thing. And we don't want that to happen to us because we've seen it time and time. And again, there's so many entrepreneurs out there who are leaders and the top of the world who continuously failed. And I think that's the difference between those types of people and the people that really never make it is they're just willing to fail so many times, right? That there's just really no other way through it. Because it's like, 
if you've failed a thousand times, like you're bound to get one winner at some point, right? So <laughs> it's yeah, just... <laughs> you can't win if you don't play, first exactly. of all. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. But you know, it's um I, I told that to my kids last time because they were like, Oh, there's this, you know, contest at school. But I don't want to participate because I'm not sure. I, I have my chances, you know. And I was like, it doesn't really matter if you win or not. But, you know, if you want to participate, you should just participate for the sake of, you know, trying and all the experience you're going to gain and overcoming your fears and all these things. And if you win, it's a bonus. And, you know. And if you don't, it's not a failure. It's just a learning experience. And if I apply that to entrepreneurship, I would say the same thing. Um, if you want to try something, try it and see what happens. And if it works, it's great. It's a bonus. And if it doesn't, see what you can learn from it and see how you can uh, improve next time or maybe change or tweak a few things, but really do the thing. And also, and, um, you know, it's something I, I told you when I interviewed you because I did interview you in my podcast, <laughs> Debbie. It's also, there's also this thing that I say all the time, which is when you start doing things, things happen. And so it's really just about, putting yourself out there. And like you said before, focusing on the process and not the outcome. And in the process, things are going to happen because people will notice you, you'll get opportunities. And if you're afraid to, you know, say some, some stupid stuff, one thing that is also super reassuring is that people forget very quickly. So, you know, you can post something and realize that, oh my God, this was ridiculous and um, people hate me now. It's okay because maybe they will hate you today. Tomorrow they will hate someone else because they will have forgotten. So you really shouldn't be scared to put yourself out there because either people will be inspired by what you do and, you know, you will gain a community and, and opportunities for from that, or they will not care or not like what you do, but you know, they will just forget the next day and you, they will move on and you can move on. So either way, there's no, there's no losing. There's only winning. That's what yeah. I think. And I also find that most of the time people tend to forget these things and we're usually the ones that never forget something. It's like, oh, <laughs> you were so hard on ourselves. Oh, my God, I did this wrong. And then meanwhile, like the other person who you thought like, you know, you didn't do well with, they don't even remember what you did. So we're always our, you know, our harshest critics in that sense. So but, you know, that's most of us, I guess, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you're always wanting to do your best and be perfect. But it's OK. It's OK to be imperfect. And I think that's what makes all of us unique. It would be really boring if we were all perfect, I think. And we probably wouldn't have gotten some really good stuff because we were perfect, because there are certain things that were discovered because we didn't do it right. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And I really think that perfectionism is not a quality. I don't know why people think that saying you're a perfectionist is a quality because it's not. It sucks, actually. It's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's 
draining all your energy and all your motivation and you know it's you're wasting time because you're going to redo the thing 1000 times Times, like come on just damn like publish the damn thing or do the damn thing and it's okay and if it's not perfect this time it will get better next time so it's okay and you know even now when i look at my uh, videos for example on youtube One thing that I like doing is when I feel like, you know, I have my doubts and what I do is I go to YouTube and I watch the first videos that some people that I follow made, you know, so I go back to their archives and usually there are people who've been doing this for a while, you know, and I look at their first videos and I'm so happy because I'm like, oh yeah, it sucked actually (laughs) five years ago. So yeah, it's a it's a weird way to kind of reassure myself. But, you know, I do that because I want to remind myself that even the people that I admire because I think, oh, what they're doing is amazing and awesome, they didn't start off doing incredible things, right? And so if you think you're you're do- going to do something imperfect, go and see what your favorite, you know, influencers did, you know, three, five years ago or whenever they started and just realize how much it sucked and you will feel better. <laughs> That's my little strategy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really true because everybody starts somewhere. So it's you don't start out perfect. And I think that's the thing, unless you're in a huge network or something and they're doing everything for you. And most of us are not in that. Um, (laughs) No. So (laughs) we wish that would would be great, (laughs) but it's not the way life works, but it's good. It's good in that way because that means you learn more. So Anise, let's fast forward to about 30 to 40 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Hmm. Good question. I think the best uh, thing that people could say about me, and I thought about that for a while, is um, that I inspired them. So I want to be remembered for inspiring other people to do something that they thought was impossible. And, you know, one great compliment that I like receiving is when I, if I post something and somebody says, oh, I needed to hear this. So in a few years or in 30 years, I'd like to be remembered as the person who maybe, you know, said something or posted something at a moment where somebody else needed it. Or I want to be this person that is remembered for inspiring other people to just do the thing, whatever it is, but just like do the thing. Love that. And and I think that's a legacy that is really true and what you're already doing right now, right? You're inspiring people, you're putting yourself out there and your content. And I can see your children being inspired by you as well and them seeing that these things can be done. So I love that. Thank you so much, Anais, for all of your perspective. Thank you for being a listener. I always love having listeners on the show because I can see, you know, how it inspired them and also how it allows them to start, you know, working or continue to work remotely. And I really appreciate you for that. (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much for having me. And it was a real pleasure talking about all these topics. I could talk about that forever. And I know you would too, but you know, everything has to come to an end, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I'm like, we got to meet one day. We got to meet. And I'm like, yeah, like every person I talk to on the show, I'm like, we would definitely just keep talking our ears off at this point. <laughs> thank you, Anais, for, for sharing with us your journey. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Debbie. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Anais. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to build sales funnels using YouTube. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.